0: Good morning and good afternoon and evening for those of you who are joining us from other parts of the world. I'd like to welcome you to our PIM webinar for today. I'm Karen Brooks. I'm the director of the CGIAR Research Program on Policies, Institutions and Markets, or as we refer to it in shorthand, PIM. This is our third webinar in the 2018 series, and the topic that we're going to address today is a really interesting one. Measuring Food Losses, a New Methodology, a New Approach. This is work that we have undertaken in the program, Policies, Institutions, and Markets, as part of our work on value chains and um, in inclusion and efficiency in the value chains. So I'm very pleased to introduce our speaker today. We have with us Eduardo Nakasone, who leads our work in PIM on this uh, the subject but we also have other colleagues who are contributing to the work as well. So Eduardo's contribution will cover not only his own work but also that of uh, a number of other researchers working within the program. Eduardo is an associate research fellow in the Markets, Trade and Institutions Division of the uh, International Food Policy Research Institute IFPRI and he leads this work on food loss and and waste in our program. He is concurrently an assistant professor at the Department of Agricultural Food and Resource Economics at Michigan State University, and he's actually joining us remotely from uh, Michigan today. We're very pleased to have him. Eduardo earned his um, bachelor's degree in economics from the Universidad del Pacífico in uh, Lima, Peru, and he holds a master's and Ph.D. in agricultural and resource, resource economics from the University of Maryland in College Park. Now, before I hand over to Eduardo, I just want to explain how we'll handle the the session today, which is the way we do it regularly. Our speaker will begin, and he'll spend about um, a half hour introducing us to the material, and you will see the presentation on your screens. During the presentation, we invite you, the listeners, to send in questions via the chat and question windows that you see on the right-hand side of your screens. So we, um, I'm here with my colleague, Evgenia Anisimova, who is our communications specialist. Evgenia and I will collate the questions, collect them and group them, and then we will convey them on your behalf to Eduardo during the question and answer session. And we're handling the questions this way to make good use of our time. and. We're also recording the webinar, and we'll make it available on our website shortly after the live event for anyone who has um, expressed interest but was not able to join us today. So with that, I thank you all for joining us, and I hand over now to Eduardo to tell us about a new method for measuring food losses. Eduardo, please, over to you.
1: Great. Thank you, Karen. Uh, thank you for the invitation to present this body of work that um, we are developing. And as you mentioned, uh, uh, this is joint work that we have been developing at IFBRI, but also in close collaboration with other CG centers such as SIP, ICARDA, CIMIT, um, and others. So, well, I mean, let's start this presentation. Thank you all for joining. So I want to give you first a quick outline of how I'm going to work. I have thought about this presentation. So, first, um, as Karen mentioned, I'm going to talk about the development of a new methodology. So, when we first started working in this area, we were looking for available studies analyzing the extent of the problem, the extent of food losses. But studies varied considerably in their measurement approaches. Um, We're measuring different things altogether. And yielded very different conclusions. And moreover, we found that there was scarce information in developing countries, and there was even less information with a diagnosis of where food losses occur. Um, so that's why this is the reasoning why we developed a, a new methodology. This methodology we, we we designed to be applicable to a wide range of commodities and and, and countries. I'm I'm, I'm going to go in detail through it, in a few slides. But um, so we developed first a methodology, then. Of course, the next uh, logical step is to test this methodology in in the field. So we applied um, this methodology and collected primary data to estimate food losses in six countries for five commodities with the objective of having a better understanding of the extent of the problem and then characterize the nature of food, uh, food losses. Well, so now we have developed a methodology. We have collected data and um, analyzed it for for a selected number of countries and, and commodities. So now what we would do with this, with this diagnosis. So the next natural step is to test mechanisms to reduce food losses. And this is ongoing work. Um, and I'm, I'm going to tell you some of the things that we are working on in, in this area. And finally, I want to... Um, tell you about where we want to expand our work in this area and explain a little bit about future activities we have in mind so with that in mind I'm going to start with the methodology so when we started first reviewing um, what were the strategies for food loss estimation um, we we there are based we, we group the methodologies in, in in two broad categories. One is a a macro approach, which uh, uses aggregate data. For example, I mean a lot of this work is based on FAO food balance sheets. Um, they, those these are national statistics on how much food is produced, how much food is consumed, and then the difference is sort of attributed to a, a loss or or a or waste. And you know, there are certainly there are huge advantages of this approach. It is cheap and straightforward because it is based on data that is available out there already. But there are some cons of it. Um, there are um, these are aggregate data, so um, they are more prone to uh, problems of measurement error, um, and then they are not representative for for uh, they don't tell us where food losses occur. I mean, it just gives you a number based on, on, on an accounting method, but this doesn't tell us where the problems are, which nodes of the particular value chains, which are the processes that are causing the uh, food losses. Then there is a micro-approach, and this micro-approach is rather than using aggregate data, uh, people collect more detailed information based on, on surveys, on structured interviews, or direct physical measurements um, in the field. And this is certainly much more a much more detailed approach. It gives us much more insights of where food losses are happening, um, but they are certainly time-consuming and they are costly to implement. And also, there are differences in the questionnaires and the procedures for for data collection and what what each study measures that uh, makes them not necessarily comparable between themselves. So, uh, with this in mind, this is this doesn't. The intention of this slide is not to be an exhaustive. Um, uh, literature review on what is out there, but I, I we, we, we were highlighting some studies that presented evidence for more than one country or node in in, in in the in the value chain using the macro approach and the micro approach, and they yield very different numbers, and they are. It, it, but we cannot tease out why these numbers are different. Is it because they're using different methods? Um, some of these are, have uh, different definitions of the stages in which food losses occur. Um, some of them have different definitions of the units in which food losses are expressed. For example, should it be uh, physical quantities? Should it be value? Should it be total calories that are that are lost, et cetera? Um, and then we, we, we also found, again, that there was scarce evidence for, for developing countries. So this is where we were standing when we started this, and then we, we, as as I mentioned, we decided to go for a new methodology to measure food losses. We believe this methodology basically brings four improvements to what is already out there. So the first one is that we consider the agricultural process as a whole. We take uh, pre-harvest, harvest, harvest, and post-harvest losses, stages in in the the agricultural production. Uh, Second, we use a value chain approach. So we have detailed questionnaires for different nodes of the value chain for farmers for middlemen for processors to try to tease out where in the value chain the losses are um, happening Uh, not only and third we are not only quantifying lost quantities but we are also gauging the economic value of quality deterioration so in developing countries food is not is, is, is in in rare occasions discarded. What happens is that it, it is sold in markets at reduced prices, or you know, if if, if it is not uh, rendered fit for for human consumption, it can also be used as animal feed. But it is not that it is discarded and thrown away. So we have to really dig into what are the cons- food. Lo- think about food losses um, as as, the, as a quality that has a an important quality deterioration aspect to it. And fourth we uh, try to identify why what are the most frequent reasons um, of losses and this is important because only knowing the reasons of the losses is where we can design better policies to address the challenges that we are facing so the first thing that I mentioned is that our approach includes losses along the production process so if we really think about what we're trying to get at is we are trying to avoid scrapped food uh, food that is discarded or food that uh, is of of, of of poor quality and there has been a recent emphasis on on post harvest losses uh, but you know within within, a, within significant variability in the definitions and the emphasis on post harvest losses is attractive so previous research has focused on on yields um there have been mixed mixed um experiences with that, but the the idea of analyzing post-harvest losses is interesting because it tells us how to reduce losses of what has already been harvested. However, food losses do not only occur because of uh, post-harvest processes. Food is also scraped due to, for example, management problems during pre-harvest. What we found um, in a lot of a lot of like our visits to developing countries is that, for example, farmers harvested beans or wheat that are have um, field fungal infections on it, and you know they are rendered unusable or unconsumable because of that, or they harvest maize cobs that are affected by earworm um, damage, and then they cannot be used uh, again, or they that that significantly affects the quality. Uh, it also happens at harvest. For example, harvest inefficient harvesting techniques for potatoes, have the potatoes split or break up during um, the harvesting. So, and then we and we have also found that um, some of the production is even unharvested. It's left in the field because uh, sometimes the agricultural prices are low, so farmers think that it is not worth their while to harvest what they have already in the field, leave it there, or sometimes because there are high labor costs around harvest time due to the agricultural cycle in developing countries, people harvest at the same time, and then that um, that increases the cost of, of, of labor to harvest. So the idea here is that we, are, we, we want to tackle not only post-harvest losses, but more integrally uh, factors that have food being scrapped along the, the entire production process. The second thing that I mentioned is that we have a value chain analysis. So in here I want to I wanna start with a technical distinction for people who are not familiar with, with, the, with the jargon in this area. In general, we consider food losses to happen before product reach consumers. And we consider food waste starting from consumer access onwards. And what the available literature tells us is that food waste is more prevalent in developed countries and this is not covered in our work because most of our work is focused on developing countries really. So and and food losses are more important, conversely, food losses are more important in developing countries rather than developed countries. So what we cover here is a value chain approach where we are covering... um, production, post-harvest, distribution and logistics, processing, um, etc. through representative samples of farmers, middlemen and processors. third thing that I mentioned is that we are assessing quality losses and with food with quality deterioration might not be discarded as I mentioned but there is an economic loss that we want to that we want to get to and for these there is no clear way to measure this, but we have different alternative methods to try to capture these quality losses. So the first one is a subjective measure. Um, this is a, a catch-all phrase in in some questionnaires. How much of your production did you lose? And then farmers give you an estimate of that. Um, so it's, it's a rather general subjective, self-reported approach. But we wanted to incorporate this quality losses more more explicitly, and we ask ourselves what happens when we try to uh, dig into this quality variables more more in detail. And we have three other methods which are called the categories attributes and prices. So in the categories method, um, this uh, the categories method is based on a visual scale methodology, and it hinges upon implicit grades in markets. So there are understandings between buyers and sellers in markets about what is considered first grade, second grade, third grade quality. Uh, The grades vary significantly by market and product, but um, for example, in in, in potatoes, the important um, dimension is the diameter of the potato. In, In beans, there are some other aspects such as size, coloration, the presence of insects, et cetera. That render them first category, second category, or third category, uh, and then we tr- we ask farmers to uh, have their production categorized in these grades so that we can assess what is um, the quality downgrade that happens in in the production process. Then there is there are attributes. Um, so in 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 attributes, we. Um, we did. We have detailed lists of uh, undesirable attributes in in commodities. For example, in the case of beans, it's humidity, mold, broken grain, weevil perforations, premature grain. These attributes vary by by crop and, and country. And, but we have we work we have worked in with local agronomists to try to determine these characteristics. Now, all of these undesirable attributes, all of these damages, are attached to a. Price penalty in the markets that we are also able to assess through our service and quantify what is the the economic value of this quality of um, this uh, quality downgrades based on the list of these attributes and finally we have a price method which you know the, the idea of the price method is that prices capture any quality downgrades in the markets so how much lower is the actual sales price compared to the optimal and the idea that prices capture um, different qualities gives us a sense of what is what what is extent of quality losses so again subjective method categories method based on um, on grades attributes based on uh, undesirable attributes or damages and prices where we think that prices are good proxies for for quality and finally, all I mentioned that what we are trying to do with this methodology is try to detect where the losses occur. Is it does it happen in the field? Does it happen during post-harvest processes in the farm? Does it happen during transportation? Does it happen through processing along the value chain? So now that we now I have laid out what are the base what is the basic idea behind our method, methodology. The, natural step is to take this methodology and use it in the field. And here we're gonna discuss applications to five commodities in six different countries. And um, the the countries are Ecuador, uh, Peru, Guatemala, Honduras, Ethiopia, and uh, China. And the commodities we focus on are um, potatoes in Ecuador and Peru, beans and maize in Guatemala and Honduras, teff in Ethiopia, and wheat in, in China. So these are very distinct results by 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 there there are particular results by country and commodity. But I want to give you some general takeaways of the research that we have been doing across all, all of these countries, that are somewhat consistent in in the different um, in the in the data that we have collected. So the first one is that food losses are important. Depending on on the method, they range from eight to twenty six percent. Um, and in here, what we have is, again, when I explain the methods, the S is the subjective method, C is the categories method, A is the uh, attributes method, which is based on the damage penalties, and P is the price method, um, which is the differential with respect to the ideal prices that farmers could have got in the market. But regardless of the, of the, of the methodology, it seems that food losses are important and um, though, though the range varies. Second... It, they are much larger when we account for quality losses, so as i mentioned the, the the categories, attributes, and price methods are dig into the quality disaggregate quality downgrades and when, when you when you stress that, you find that your measurement of food losses is is higher than than otherwise, and that is consistent across countries that we have worked in. Third one is that most food losses happen at the farm level when when we analyze what is the share of food losses that um, originate at at the farm level, it ranges between 56 and and 86% depending on the country. Um, And fourth, um, the the main problems that that we have identified across countries, and this is a generalization, but we find that uh, there are weather-related issues. There's lack of knowledge of available technologies, mechanization and access to infrastructure, and uh, lack of price incentives. So that is um, th- that is a general overview of what we are finding in these countries. We also want to identify in which part of the production process losses occur. At least for some of our methods, we're able to to, to tackle this. And what we find is that losses are important in post-harvest phases, but so are uh, the losses in the pre-harvest and harvest stages. So this is also going to an to our argument that. Um, the importance of analyzing integrally the, the 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 whole production process. So, we have designed the methodology. We have applied it to different countries and commodities. And what we have done is we're trying to. Um, do a little outreach and dissemination of of our findings. We have presented our work in academic conferences for um, exchange of ideas and and feedback from other experts in this area. We have also presented these at country events to promote the use of our tool with governments, civil society, and and, and other relevant organizations. Um, We are also uh, partnering with international forums such as um, the G20 or FAO in disseminating our findings um, and as part of the so for example as part of the G20 agreements pre works with FAO and the technical platform for food loss and waste and the idea of this technical platform is that we we, we present our methodology we present on how to implement it and uh, have people use that information um, to to expand the applications of, of this methodology and that it becomes more widely available and that we have more data using um, consistent measurement uh, strategies so we did the the methodology we applied to different countries we have this diagnosis at least for, for selected countries in and in, in selected commodities so the next phase that is ongoing right now is we're trying to test interventions to reduce food losses so um, I'm going to describe projects that I am involved in and my colleagues in other, uh, other CT institutes are also working on. So, we have three ongoing projects. The first one is, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about this particular project because this is the one that I'm working on, is uh, about input provision versus market based contractual agreements. And I'm going to go explain a little bit more in, in a few slides. Um, then, CIMIT is working on maize in Ethiopia and testing the effect of hermetic, triple-sealed hermetic storage bags. That is a work um, led by Hugo de Groot. And SIP is working on in potatoes in Ecuador, testing the effect of uh, the effect of handheld farmer decision tools that provide rules of thumbs uh, of uh, farmer man- uh, farm management techniques among potato farmers in 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 Ecuador. So we are testing there three different three distinct approaches in how to in in potential solutions for the problem one is market-based incentives the other one is technology is related to technology adoption and the third one is related to extension and and management so uh, the I think this provides a an an interesting opportunity to see how all these very distinct mechanisms can um, help reduce food losses in, in in developing countries so, um, in, in the case of Guatemala and Honduras, I want to talk about what we're doing and why we're doing it. So, some of the reasons of the losses among bean farmers in Guatemala and Honduras are, a lot of them are pre-harvest reasons, and a lot of uh, the respondents said that uh, their crops were highly affected by pests, by diseases, by by lack of rain. Um, etc some other problems to to, to to a lesser extent but problems out there are problems at harvest um, and finding labor and um, damages that happen at, at, at the, in the harvest stage so what we are doing here is what we are testing, Input provision provision versus market-based contractual agreements. So as I mentioned, the losses among bean farmers in Guatemala and Honduras, a lot of them are because of pest diseases and lack of rain, and just to to some extent for other reasons, such as inefficient harvesting or or labor constraint. So a couple of potential policies we thought of, okay, one one avenue can be provide access to improved inputs, seeds and, and fertilizers that are resistant to plagues, that are resistant, that are um, tolerant to, to to drought, and the fertilizer required to use is improved seeds. But um, but another way of thinking about that is you know incentivizing increases in quality through market-based contracts. So if we establish contracts that incentivize farmers to improve the quality of the seeds, they have they they are receiving a premium for um, the, for for better quality. Is that going to incentivize the farmers to Get the improved seeds, fertilizer, and adopt other measures. Um, maybe to by themselves increase their the 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 quality of of their crops. So, it's which which of these uh, approaches work better? And we are testing this uh, through field experiments, and we're partnering with public and private sector institutions in, in Guatemala and Honduras to do this. So, in the case of Honduras, we are uh, partnering with with the government. Interestingly, um, so. We, we are working with the bean producers that we have already in the baseline, and then we're testing, Again, we're doing a field experiment with three experimental arms. One is the provision of inputs, in this case, improved seeds and, and fertilizer. We uh, have another experimental arms for farmers receive this uh, the option to enroll in market-based contractual agreements that are quality contingent, um, and then a, a, a control group. And our partners here are the Department of Agriculture and Livestock, uh, of Honduras and the Honduran Institute of Agricultural Marketing. In the case of Guatemala, we are priv- we are partnering with the with the private sector. So I think it's interesting that in one country we're doing it with the with the with the public sector, in the other country we're doing it with the private sector. So that it it can gives us an idea of how uh, different partnerships can uh, what which are the actors that can better um, help us reduce the extent of food losses. So, in in the case of of Guatemala, it was not possible to randomize across the three groups. The private comp, the private sector company that we're working with was interested in beans from a particular variety and that come from a particular seed. But um, we are testing the joint effect of improved seeds and fertilizers and the quality contingent price. Um, Premia, and we are partnered with, um, the, as I mentioned, the private sector Al-Bai, uh which is a very large um, agro-industrial company in 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 Guatemala. What we are doing right now is we are collecting data on physical measures of quality. So um, we are having we're, we're putting a lot of work in in in. Having systematic sampling of beans in storage of, for the farmers that we ha- that have been involved in the project, we're using spears to, and, and and random sampling of bags to um, extract representative samples of uh, farmers' production. Um, we test very in very detail humidity moisture content the humidity levels of, of 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 the beans we are assessing the damages in in the, in the bean samples and we're trying to detect particular the particular damages some of the damages that we can detect with that for example are um the presence of in of, of, of insects or particular crop damages attributes that are related to the attributes that we measured in the in the in the in the attributes um, uh, methodology that we that we developed. So first of all, we, we go for, we, we assess whether there are weevil perforations, where, it, where there is fungus, whether there is broken grain, where there's wrinkled grain, et cetera. And the idea of this is that this will allow eventually to contrast the survey-based reported damages with actual physical losses, and try to try to give us, give us an idea of um, whether they are different, what are the, um, the, the directions of biases, um, can can we do households larger household surveys and that'll be okay, or do we need to really dig into into physical measurements? So as I said, we're we're collecting our endline household survey. We're going to be be using a similar approach as baseline to measure food losses using uh, the subjective categories, attributes, and price methods. We're going to assess whether the interventions had any changes in 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 food losses between the um, between treatment arms and whether these market-based contractual agreements or the provision of inputs have any any, any effect in reducing um, losses among bean farmers in, 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 in Guatemala and Honduras. We're also trying to assess whether there are some welfare implications of food losses, estimate changes in income, expenditures, et cetera, um, and at least like have an idea of welfare implications using partial equilibrium. And as I as I mentioned again, trying to um, complement physical measures and compare them with um, household self-reported measures of food losses. So I want to wrap up with conclusions and 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 future activities. So some of the conclusions are that we we have developed this new methodology to measure food losses. Um, we are again including the entire production process. We are measuring these food losses along the value chain. We are accounting for reductions in in not only quantity, but also, importantly, quality, which is a crucial aspect according to our results. And we are identifying relevant processes where where we should focus on to reduce um, food losses. Another conclusion is that food losses are important. They are especially important at the farm level and when accounting for quality. The conclusion is that we need to account not only for post-harvest, but also pre-harvest and harvest losses, which are important for quality, not not only for for yields, but um, that a lot of the the quality downgrades, which are important to to food losses, occur due to pre-harvest processes and harvest uh, processes. So try to improve the management in these stages is also crucial to reducing um, food losses. We develop we with this we apply this methodology to five commodities in six countries. Um, this is a still a limited sample of of, of commodities and countries, but um, the idea here is that we wanted to provide a proof of concept that this can be widely applicable, that we can get rich information and comparable est- estimates of food losses uh, to better understand them. Uh, but we certainly need to expand um, the application of our of our methodology to gain better understanding of, of food losses. And uh, finally, we are testing alternative interventions to reduce food losses in developing countries. Most of our interventions our interventions are currently in the field. so um, hopefully you you will stay tuned and um, find the results of these research interesting. Uh, some of the future activities that we're thinking of is you know as I mentioned we're trying to disseminate the methodology to measure food losses we are uh, trying to consolidate this methodology as a public good that is accessible to people to um, use by other research institutions or the private sector to use in their own countries Um, we're also for that purpose um, doing country workshops where we promote the use of this methodology Um, we are testing potential mechanisms to we, we want to test additional potential mechanisms to reduce food losses as I mentioned we have this um, spread of of, of, of of interventions but um, there are potentially more 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 things that we can be testing out there that can be more more effective and we want to do that in the future and uh, we want to so we, we are currently expanding our application I am working in a in a in a project in Ghana, where we're going to measure food losses in the value chains of yams and groundnuts in three northern regions, um, we are we want to incorporate studies for perishable crops. So far, we have worked a lot of a lot on staple crops. Well, I mean, the reason for that is that most of poor households and households that we are we are, are that we are focused on. Um, grow staple crops but um, and that 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 is a little more widely applicable but um, we we certainly want to gain better understanding about uh, perishable crops and and what is what is extent of food losses there and how to reduce them Um, we're also working with a with that with a t20 which is the technical group of the g20 um who have approved a technical brief to scale up the, ma- the methodology and this is uh future joint um work with the world bank and um and yeah well that is mostly what i wanted to present today so i wanna thank you for being here um, and i am ready to take any questions that you have
0: Okay. Thank you so much, Ed- Eduardo. We asked you to spend about a half hour on this, and I think you've done that exactly. So very well done, um, and an excellent introduction to um, the material. You know, We have a lot of questions that have come in, and I want to turn to them um, in, in a minute. But I think... Oops, sorry. Are you, are you still there? Yes. Okay. Yes. Correct. You know, as I listened to the presentation, you know, some of the questions are related to this. And I want to summarize a little bit and and have one round of additional um, commentary. Mm -hmm. I think that when we within PIM embarked on this research program on food loss, uh, Mm -hmm. it was food loss and waste. But, you know, ultimately we focused more on food loss. I think it was at a time when food prices were very high. There was a lot of concern about increased hunger on the part of poor people. And there was a sense that the food losses were so high that and, – and the focus was always on post-harvest loss. Mm-hmm. The idea was that post-harvest loss was so high in the range of, you know, 40, 50, 60 percent. There were these fantastic numbers being um, presented, but they were kind of all over the place. And there was a sense that you could address the hunger issue, um, particularly in an environment of high prices if those food losses could simply be recovered or avoided in the first place we'd have that much more food and so that's a kind of simplistic um concept of food loss that i think a, a number of us had in mind and we were encouraged by the external environment to have that in mind when we launched on this work but as i listen to you i think what you've encouraged us to do is to adjust our concept of food loss and not to focus exclusively on um, post harvest loss, but rather to recognize, um, a number of features of the whole concept of loss. And one of them is that the, it's quite significant. The numbers are probably not so high, the, sp- specifically post harvest numbers that are coming out of your measurements are probably not as high as those, um, you know, rather fantastic numbers that were presented initially. But in the range of 8 to 26%, they're still quite significant. But perhaps more significant is the idea that um, the losses occur across the continuum, that a lot of them are actually on the farm level. They're pre-harvest or during harvest, not post-harvest. That when you bring quality into it, that matters probably as much as quantity. And that there's a linkage between the production, and the harvest losses and the post-harvest losses. So the separation, as we originally thought, doesn't really work. Now, if if that's a correct interpretation of your work, I think you know that's really important to get out there because I think it's a different concept than is behind a lot of the thinking of the G20, of the original establishment of the FAO um, technical platform to measure um, food loss. I, I think it's a new conceptual frame frame for thinking about the problem and I'd like to have your reaction to that for a minute before we go into some of the more detailed questions
1: yeah so you you're you're right in 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 the reading of what we're trying to get at um, so as i as i mentioned in one of my slides yeah there is there has been considerable attention, attention to to post harvest losses um, you know, like and, and then these these all, all these debates started uh because there are estimates in the popular press that are that say that food loss and waste amount to one third of the total food production in, in, in the world, which I, I consider to be um rather high. Um and then pe- people were 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 saying, okay, if these are the food loss and waste, it's 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 related to it has to be related to post-harvest um. Losses and as I mentioned post-harvest loss is an interesting idea because you are making more food available with what you're already producing uh, And that I think that 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 is that is your that is your reading that is my reading and um, but when when would you start thinking about um, the extent of post harvest losses then uh, yeah as, as you said I mean we're finding eight to twenty six percent but that is um, including all nodes of production that is including um, all the 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 production process and not only post harvest and that is including quality um, the quality aspects of it um, when we disentangle like and what we find is that losses occur at the farm level, that that's where we we have to focus our, our 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 attention. Um but at the farmer level when we separate pre-harvest and, and and post-harvest losses we find that post-harvest losses are 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 not as large as 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 what people are 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 finding and this is not only our work at at, at PIM uh, finding that there there is literature out there uh, pointing out at the same direction so for example uh, Kaminsky and Christensen have a paper analyzing uh, farmer losses in Malawi, uh, Tanzania and Uganda I think and then they find that the extent of post harvest losses is between one 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 and a half and 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 six percent uh, Bart Minton and and Tom Riordan have another paper on uh, potato losses, uh, post harvest losses in potatoes in Bangladesh, India and China, and they find that it's between three and six percent. Um, Bart uh, Minton also has another paper for TEF in Ethiopia that finds that uh, post harvest losses for TEF are between two and three percent. So our numbers are, are 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 consistent with with previous findings that uh, post harvest losses are are not are important but are not as large as 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 was was originally uh thought um and but we we, we want to bring Attention to other potential ways of reducing food, food losses um, that, that you mentioned. One is the quality aspect of food losses that has not been that much addressed in the literature, and second is that food losses are not only related to post-harvest um, management, but also to pre-harvest and and, and, and and harvest stages that are crucial, or an even more and even more important to than than post-harvest handling.
0: Okay. And I think that's very helpful because I think that, you know, one interpretation of the consistent findings that post-harvest losses, you know, as measured rather rigorously are lower than the big numbers that were thought initially. I mean, one could just say, okay, let's walk away from this problem. It's not really worth a whole lot of attention. But I think your approach by bringing in the quality and the linkage between uh, pre-harvest management and post-harvest outcomes is, you know, a way of saying it, it, it's still a really important issue and we shouldn't walk away from it. Um, it, it affects large amounts of both income and, and food available for um, very poor people. So I, I, I do think that that's a, a new kind of interpretation of, of the concept. But it brings up a question which came in from one of our listeners. It said, OK, you have a new methodology, you have some new findings. Now, how does that compare to the food loss and waste standard protocol which is proposed and developed by the World Resources Institute, WRI. WRI has been a leader in a lot of the work on um, food loss and waste and has been championing much of the work under SDG 12.3. So could you tell us a little, that's the the SDG that addresses food loss and waste. Could you tell us um, a bit about how you see your work in conjunction or in, you know, complementary or perhaps giving us different insights than
1: the the work of WRI Well WRI has been uh, working on collecting the how people have been 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 measuring uh food losses I think because as you mentioned we are in this work we're trying to challenge this notion of um of, um, of how do people think about food losses how do people think about post harvest losses um, how to incorporate how to bring quality into into this equation and the importance of bringing quality so i, I think this is an an, an, an an input in terms of how we how we how we uh, think and conceptualize uh, uh, food losses and it's bringing new elements to it yeah uh, for sure
0: okay great now we've had a couple of questions that um, relate specifically to the methodology um, it sounds mm-hmm. like what you're doing is very rigorous, it's very um, informative. It also sounds a little bit complicated. Um, It sounds kind of costly. And one of the, so a specific question that came in was, um, you know, how complicated is it? How costly is it? Um, How do you deal with issues of representativeness and perhaps the external validity of what you're finding Um, because you have to do very detailed work in very specific environments? Um, so let's start with that, and then I'll come back with another um, question related to: Is this complicated or not?
1: Okay, uh, so it is. I I think that if we want to get a good approximation of what are food losses, we have to go through the painful process of doing complicated stuff that might be costly to better understand uh, the information that that is um, out there, and what are what is what is the real extent of of, of the problem. Now, having said that, one of the complications in the, in the in the approach that we are using so far is that there is no validation of an appropriate method of how to measure food losses, especially taking into consideration these quality aspects to it. And um, this is something that we are trying to learn, right? And this is part of the research that we are putting out there. There are Different ways of measuring food losses and and bring it bring in the quality aspect to it. There is no consensus on, on how to measure it. We know little about it. Let's try to see which are uh, approaches that um, that are suitable. Like are these all these? Uh, what we find is that at least at the farmer level, the measures of our categories method, or attributes method, or the price method yield yield numbers that are in the same ballpark that are that are quite similar we are trying to say okay if we incorporate physical measures in and compare them to the self assessment methods using this methodology that we have developed which one is closer which one is further away so this is a a, a process that you know um, there is no no one can tell you at this point, okay, this is what you should do to measure food losses. This is what you should do to, especially with our concerns that these are the way to measure food losses, bringing in pre-harvest, harvest, harvest, and post-harvest aspects to it, bringing quality aspects to it. So yes, um, it, the, the research is is complicated because we have to to try different things in the field, but eventually the objective is to streamline this process and um, and come up with, with with more robust evidence from different countries and commodities and say, okay, we have tested it this time and again and maybe you can drop these two methods. Maybe um, this is the one that is closer to physical measurements. You can do only um, – uh, you, you can do survey-based. Uh, data collection it will be fine, or you do need to do more scientific testing and physical measurements on the field that 's something that we are trying to to better understand okay. so in you know in the short the short answer to that is the testing of these alternative possibilities on how to measure food losses is yes indeed complicated, but hopefully we will the the the, the, the consent the, the, this body of work will inform us on how to do it in a cheaper and more streamlined way uh, soon.
0: Okay. Okay. It reminds me a little bit of the early experience with the Women's Empowerment and Agriculture Index. That was, again, a new method for measuring something that was considered to be important for the development process and for interventions to facilitate development in rural areas and agriculture. And so a new method was developed, the Women's Empowerment and Agriculture Index. It was tested and applied and um, met with quite a bit of enthusiasm initially, but the feedback from the operational side was, this is too complicated for us to do on a daily basis. We need a simplified um, sort of more operational version to to work with. And so right now the the team sort of, I would guess maybe eight years, six years into the process, Is developing and testing that simpler operational um, version of the Women's Empowerment and Agriculture Index. Do you think that we will um, get to a stage where we have a simpler operational um, version of a Uh, food loss measurement index or whatever you might call it? Um, And some way that this very useful approach could be taken on board and applied by, you know, our very operational colleagues. And how do you yes, plan I mean, to get there? How do you plan to get there, Eduardo? That
1: is, that is a general idea, right? Um, and, you know, part, part, of these, um, part, of, part of these process, for example, you know, some of the highlights that we're finding, again, is that if you want to tackle food losses in developing countries, the important part is that you focus on, on the farm level. And across the value chain, we see that these are these these are the stages where the the, the bulk of the problem um, is happening. So, well, I mean, if you want to streamline the process, it might be the case that um, if we if we what we have found so far in these five commodities and six countries is that the farmers are most important are the most important um, uh, stage to ta- to tackle. Now. When we get a little bit more data with more countries and more commodities, well, that still will be the case. If it is, then that informs you on where data collection should happen. Also, as I was um, as I was telling, we test alternative methods because there is no way there is no method out there that has been validated. That's what we are are, are trying to do. So maybe do it at the farmer level and do it with one um, one of the measures um so those are avenues that we are considering but we are still at an early early stage where we need to uh get a little bit more data and have more experiences in in a variety of situations and um uh specific regional aspects and and, and commodities to sort of come up with a serious answer saying okay this is the way to go but we will try to get there for sure
0: Thank, thanks, Edward. We have some contrary evidence coming in um, from a listener from Rwanda. She's saying that we're measuring post-harvest losses. We're finding um, about 60 percent um, in the post-harvest phase, not in the pre-harvest. And I, I'm trying to see what commodity they're working yeah. with. Um, and she's arguing that um, it's, per- it's 60% damage to perishables during the post-harvest period. The food was not lost, but it was badly damaged and it could not be stored. And the offered prices were very low. I guess since we don't know what that is, um, and we also had another question: um, Would your methodology be appropriate for fruits and vegetables, highly perishable things, or how might you, um, you know, change your methodology? But I guess the the feedback from Rwanda saying um, there is actually a significant, we're, we're measuring a significant problem at the post-harvest level. Um, so maybe it's a little bit premature to say we should zero in on the pre-harvest and the production level um, without focusing on the post-harvest. How would you um, react to that?
1: So, okay, first of all, uh I, if I understood the question correctly, the the listener from Rwanda is working on perishable crops. I, well, at least that's what I think. And um, well, one of the points that I that I was mentioning in in, in the slide is that we need to expand this methodology to uh, perishable crops. This methodology is applicable to vegetables and fruits so far we have um, we we haven't tested it, but we are looking forward to the opportunity to doing that um now the, the the general understanding is that food losses are higher among perishable crops than 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 staple crops That is true um, I cannot uh, give you a number uh. Of how much perishable, how much, how much food losses are in perishable crops without having undertaken um, such study? It might be the case that you know the, the, the listener in Rwanda is working with um, a more perishable crops that a more perishable crop that that um, is um, subject to to more damage. It's also hard to say without knowing the methodological design um, and how was the question measured. Um, so I mean, it would be interesting if. If 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 uh, this listener can can send me the the study to take a look at it, I I, I think it would be interesting. Now, there I mean I agree with you. It, it it might be still a little premature to say okay, this is you know very small, but our research is consistent with a growing literature that is pointing out. And I was mentioning um, studies a little while ago that is all, that are also analyzing staple crops in developing countries such as you know, Kaminsky and Christensen, Minton and Riordan, Minton, um, Afonion has another uh, uh, analysis based on meta-analysis. Uh, there is another paper out there using uh, PICS data that also finds that um, post-harvest losses are not as high for, for, for grains, which are um, not perishable crops, but grains. Um, but, in terms of staple crops, our evidence is consistent with this um, growing literature now, one of the reasons why we still think about it and there is that you know there 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 isn't necessarily a consensus but um but but yeah we're we are um, trying to to get there and contribute to a better understanding of this right
0: okay um, an interesting observation um one of the Listeners has noted and must have studied your slides in great detail, but um, um, He observes that the subjective and the improved methods from your graphs Uh um, For the for the middlemen and the processors they seem to give roughly comparable um, findings uh, about you know losses and quality, but that at the farm level the subjective measure provides a much more sort of optimistic view of both the quality and the quantity of of the the product than the um, the improved methods reveal. so it seems that that farmers have a subjective view of their product, which is kind of more better than the the evidence once you dig into it um, confirms how how would you do you agree with that interpretation and how would you explain that?
1: I think I mean the, the subjective measure is consistently lower than the three improved measures that that we are presenting. That that is that is right. And that is one of the observations of of of, 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 of this research, is saying, okay, farmers, when you ask farmers, because I mean there there is a lot of measurement out there based on household surveys where you would directly ask farmers what is how much did you lose where when farmers are thinking about losses, they might not be incorporating all the um, quality aspects of, um, of, of food losses in their mind. So yes, the, the, the three improved measures are larger uh, in terms of both quantity and quality, because when you, inc- when you highlight these quality measures, and this, this is the, one of the points of the paper, is um, when, you, when you get higher losses. I don't know if that answers the question.
0: Okay, so it's really an, an issue of, of perception of quality.
1: It is, it is an issue of, like, of, of quality not being adequately captured by a catch-all uh, question to the farmer. When you bring attention to it, then you realize that they are much larger than, than this perception. Yes. Okay.
0: Now, another listener said, OK, in the developing world, you're focusing on loss, um, basically from production up to and through the distribution, but not really at the retail. You're not going into the waste category, which um, is so high in middle income and, and developed Countries, But in fact, as the markets are evolving in um, developing countries, as they go from even low to, to middle income and with urbanization, you're getting enough changes in the, um, the food systems that maybe we should be looking at waste even in low and middle income countries and not having this sort of artificial separation where we say we care about loss in low income countries and we care about waste in high income countries.
1: Sure, that is that is an avenue, especially in middle income countries, it would be interesting to 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 see what is the extent of of food waste. Uh that is something that can be we can look at, at the future. In the future, I think it would be extremely interesting, but um in all in all, there had to be a, a starting point. So the 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 scope of what 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 we can measure is um is, um, is limited, especially in, in, the, in this initial phases. And we strategically decided to, to focus in this, you know, it might be a somewhat artificial division between food loss and food waste, but um, there was a point, there is a point where, where you have to start. Um, hopefully we will be able to expand this into, uh, into food waste measurement in at least middle income countries.
0: Sure. Okay. Now let me ask you. I guess we're we're getting to the end, but I do want to um, put out a tough question at the end. I mean, we've 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 talked about the different approaches, um, the macro approach, the micro approach. We've mm-hmm. talked about the complications and the challenges of using the micro approach, even though it gives better um, better estimates. Um, but if we look at the SDG 12.3, which addresses food loss and waste, um, it has a specific target for the high-income countries, 50% reduction in waste. It doesn't have a specific target for the low-income countries. It says reduce food loss. But nonetheless, um, if it's to have meaning, it has to be measurable. And so it would have to be measurable on a fairly Um, you know, a recurrent periodicity in order to understand whether it's going up, down or staying the same over time. So based on what you have um, found, Eduardo, what advice would you give to the champions who are going to be behind this SDG, specifically with regard to food loss? If we're not to use the rather simplistic um, food balance sheet um, assessments of food loss, if we want something a bit more informative, what should we do in the interim um, to have a better understanding of the magnitude of of losses and how they're changing over time
1: so it is i mean. Trying to get an indicator of food losses that you can track over time, it is a complicated issue. I have been involved in the in the, in the FAO meetings where, because as, as custodians of the SDG twelve point three, they are the ones who have to come up with um, with an indicator that you can track over time, um, and it is it is it is certainly rather complicated. Now, I think there are interesting approaches out there that. Um, that that can be useful. For example, uh, there are the agri, the agricultural um, integrated surveys that are being measured um, in, in in developing countries where you where the conversation has been to include a rotating module that might include, for example, uh, household data on, on 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 food losses. I think that is an interesting avenue to 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 expand. Um, so so I think we we have to get a little bit more creative in terms of how we we approach this problem um and there is unfortunately no 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 simple answer um to to the problem
0: Okay well I told you Eduardo that I was going to give you the hard question at the end and that that there it is and I agree that it's an important question but a, a difficult one that we don't really know the answer to yet
1: but so, I, think I mean, even, even if, if the FAO is trying to come up with a measure, but there is not even a lot of um, macro-available data. Actually, they are using um, – there's a process where they're trying to proxy that through 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 other variables. And that speaks also not only – I mean, when I say that there is more data available in the macro approach, I'm not saying that all data is available in the macro approach, which makes it even more complicated.
0: Right. But I think that, um, you know, we, it – we accept difficult challenges and difficult questions, and I think we recognize that um, you know this issue has a whole lot of them associated with it so i i, I we have to close now. Um, we had a lot of questions that came in, some of which we were able to summarize and pass on to you, others may still be out there. so I would encourage people who are not satisfied with the way we conveyed your questions to you know go to the the website um, look again at the recording of the um, webinar, and then feel free to approach Eduardo um, with follow-up as as needed. I'm, and we'd be happy to keep the conversation going. But I want to thank you, Eduardo. I think that it's been a very good introduction to a tough topic, um, one that I think we've learned quite a bit about in the approximately five years, I think, that we've been investing in this. Um, It's one that will, continue to have to learn more about, but I think you've given us some um, conceptual insights that we certainly didn't have five years ago. You and your colleagues, I think, are doing this, and we really appreciate that, and we'll look forward to learning more as you take this forward in the coming few years. So thank you very much, Eduardo. Thank you to all the listeners who joined us, and um, please do check the recording and come back for future webinars.
1: All right, great, thank you, everyone.